and welcome to Dream Slam, an all-women's wrestling podcast. I'm your host, Ferris, and I am excited to be back talking to y'all. I did forget to bring up in my last recording, I think I did, at least, um, that I actually have another podcast I've been recording with a friend. She's unfortunately a student. So we've been on a small hiatus, but it is called Lifetime Pals, and we watch Lifetime movies and, like, after-school specials and talk about all the things they want to teach us and whether or not they did a good job. I believe the last one we recorded, we watched Happiest Season. It's that newest Hallmark Christmas movie about two nice lesbians trying to have a nice Christmas together. And there's a Hallmark movie drinking game. And I feel like this is not my best quality audio recording on that. Because, you know, I maybe got a little drinky. But it was really fun. Maybe you'll enjoy it. Maybe it's just worth taking a look at. I believe you can find us on Anchor, Spotify, all that shit. Once again, the name of the podcast is Lifetime Pals. But today, we're here to talk about wrestling. So in my last episode, I had alluded to the like final big piece of news for stardom leading into what I had wanted to cover for this episode. If, uh, if y'all remember, the last piece of news we really covered from that was that Yoshiko and Nane Takahashi returned to stardom. And to me, this was a little bit of an odd thing to happen. And I figure it's probably best to tell you why that is, and not just act like I'm being confused by something. If, you listen, if you've listened to my podcast previously, I have absolutely talked about World Wonder Ring stardom at least a couple times. Like the majority of fans, though, I just refer to it in short as stardom. It's one of the globally most well-known women's wrestling companies, established in 2011 by Nane Takahashi, Kuka Kakamoto, and Rossi Ogawa. Similar to the bloodline of GLOW becoming most recently women of wrestling superstars, Ogawa co-produced All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling. If you watch the Vintage Joshi matches, a lot of your things were like Bull Nakano, you're going to find that being like one of your main companies. Gaia was from the 90s, and All Japan Women's Pro predates that. There's some wrestlers you also know from your regular everyday TV from stardom, including Ayo Shirai, Asuka, and Kairi Sane. Nane and Fuka had previous history as rivals before they became the head trainer and general manager, respectively, of stardom. Their rivalry extended to Nane defeating Fuka in the end of her retirement match. Fuka and Nane both acted as trainers in the now-growing company, as well as Fuka taking on ring announcing, and Nane taking a role in ring with uh, doing tag matches, for the most part. Stardom's Rise saw the introduction of five titles, full shows in significant venues, and monthly shows in Corican Hall, which was, like, had happened with women's companies, but not for, like, 15 years. So it was a big deal. 
Yoshiko, who just returned to stardom, actually debuted in stardom's very first show and was a consistent presence in every inaugural event they had. She did a monster heel. She faced and defeated, like, everybody in her path. Veterans, stars, anybody you could put on the chopping block with them. Like, Yoshiko was a top heel for a, the, the brunt of her time there. She traveled in and out of factions and represented stardom in matches against Sendai girls. And we're now going to introduce somebody new to this mix, who is uh, Act Yasukawa. She debuted in 2012, so year after stardom um, began producing shows. She's a super charismatic, like, she's the cookie cutter of the kind of person that you would see in stardom. She's, like, on the smaller side. She's very cute, high energy, really easy to watch, really. She also struggled with health issues for her entire career, including, like, spinal injuries and complications of Graves' disease. She'd won the Artist, Wonder, and Goddess of Stardom titles in her short run with them. She had a true passion for wrestling and a very irresistible presence. I think a lot of folks will have seen her, if you're watching a lot of women's wrestling, most recently at Pro Wrestling Eve's We're All Going to Die, Chris Wolf's retirement show. She'd be the manager of Oedo Tai when Chris was a member. Another way that fans might recognize her, actually, is Kairi Sane's Kabuki Warriors gear was based off of what Act always wore to the ring. Act and Yoshiko had very different paths, but they were successful in stardom, holding many titles and being prominent stars within the company. Yoshiko was a brutal but steadfast opponent who could have easily had an incredibly long career in stardom ahead of her, where Act's history of health problems would have led her to like a short but really bright career. They crossed paths as stablemates, and enemies, and the most significant time they crossed paths would be when Act challenged Yoshiko for the Wonder of Stardom title. Leading up to this match, this is uh, so Yoshiko's third title defense with the Wonder title. She'd actually won it off of Ayo Shirai. Act had been hospitalized for complications due to her Graves disease and had surgery to repair blindness in one eye. She frequently wore an eye patch to the ring. Her gimmick was a little piratey, but it was also because there were health reasons behind it. Desperate to even be around wrestling, though, Act would find odd jobs and she made promises to fans. She would be back in the ring to fight for her title soon. When the time came, though, Yoshiko initially refused to sign the contract for the match, seeming, seeming to feel that Act wasn't worthy. Their last scheduled match had been cancelled due to Act's health. After some coercion, though, from the members of Oedo Tai, Yoshiko eventually did sign the contract. On February 22nd, Act Yakasawa got her match for the Wonder of Stardom title. With the support of her fans and Kyoka Kimura, Hana Kimura's mother, in her corner, she was ready to return to her biggest passion. Her drive for wrestling has led her to 
push back mental and physical health issues, and she was ready to try to take back that title she'd once held. Some accounts say that Yoshiko told Act to shoot on her before the first slap was thrown. In less than eight minutes, Act received a beating that would permanently change her career. She suffered a fractured cheek, nose, and orbital bones, as well as a concussion. The referee failed to stop the match, and Rossi Ogawa actually didn't try to interfere with the match either until Kyoko Kimura threw a towel in the ring and tried to break up the fight. Act fought as hard as she could, but by the even by halfway through, her eyes were swollen shut, and she was unable to see or actually defend herself. You can easily find this match online. And I don't know if I want to recommend that for everybody. The match was dubbed the Ghastly Match, and it received really intense media attention. The day after... Rossi held meetings with the head trainers to see what the appropriate response should be for this instance, as well as issuing a public apology. Yoshiko retired that May, only to return to wrestling in January for Seedling. Act briefly returned to wrestling in May, but retired in December of 2015, Due to the injuries that she had received in that match. So there's a lot of things we'll never know about the Ghastly match. And it's easy to make villains within the context of a match where somebody was maybe deliberately injured. Wrestling is talked about differently from country to country, even. And in Japan, it's treated as legitimately as a sport can be. So you don't have the same, like, backstage... Um, I'm blanking on the term for this, actually. There's no, like, shoot interviews, or they're not the same thing there. So there's not... There's no secondary accounts. There were people that had been, like, backstage that were asked about it in the past, and they mostly just say they didn't know anything about it, or they had nothing to do with it. There's been arguments made that both that, like, Nane had left stardom, either in solidarity with Yoshiko being fired, retired, or because she was unhappy with herself and Yoshiko shouldering so much of the blame. Nane moved forward to found her own wrestling company, and Yoshiko has been wrestling since, like, January 2016. And she's had really positive relationships with, like, every company she's worked with. She hasn't had a single mark on her report card past this incident's happening. Act has had a small presence in a few wrestling companies since... But she never got to return in full force. Like, she'll, she shows up as a manager here and there. But it's not the same as it once was. And now we come back to today. We come back to December of 2020. With Nane and Yoshiko coming back to stardom. Despite the way they left. And I think that's where this is an interesting 
matter to discuss. Not so much that there was a... It's a very grim match to watch. Like, there's something very uncomfortable about it. Because there's no, like, there's not the same fighting spirit. It doesn't feel fun. Like, the crowd energy, like, it doesn't feel like an MMA match. It feels like something you're not supposed to be seeing, (laughs) really. But so, in the aftermath, you know, people were fined. People had their pay docked. People had to make apologies. And then within a year, it's kind of like it never happened. And we have this frequent discussion now in wrestling with some wrestlers being regarded to be like more prone to injuring some than others. This person's careless. This person's reckless. And it's, it's an interesting position to see because I'm going to take the easiest possible example. This is actually a thing I've wanted to talk about previously. And I wasn't really sure how. So we're going to talk about Nia Jax instead. You can... I remember when Nia Jax started wrestling, and I just, like, kind of immediately resolved that I don't think she's the wrestler for me. And that's fair. That's completely allowed. I didn't think she was terrible. I just didn't really think anything. I didn't care for her ring gear, and that's a really, like, petty and silly thing to talk about, so why bother, actually? But over time, we keep seeing more issues with her maybe injuring people, or maybe not. You know, she did legitimately break Becky Lynch's nose. And I've also been in, like, giant multi-person spots like that in a ring where, like, Maybe you got kicked in the head on purpose, and maybe you didn't. It's genuinely really hard to figure out. And, you know, you want to trust that your opponents are not deliberately trying to hurt you. That's a pretty reasonable thing to want to hear, or to want to feel. And I can think of the most recent clip that somebody brought up of her... um, her potentially injuring somebody was that like choke slam kind of power bomb move. And I don't think it was as dangerous as people said it was. And maybe this is me having taken plenty of moves like this, but there's ways that some things look so much worse than others. And there's this dichotomy in like in discussions about wrestling where we can pick a specific wrestler and say we don't like them, they're unsafe, they're this, they're this, they're this. And then you could see a clip of like dudes in the 90s in Japan beating the absolute piss out of each other and that's fine. That's not a problem. We there's like there is a track record of some injuries and that happens. And if somebody's injuring someone on purpose, what do we do with them? Well, here's an exact case of somebody deliberately injuring somebody, maybe, in the ring. And they got, you know, there was an attempt at disciplining them. And then it went back to normal. And do we send them back to to training to learn more? 
Well, that kind of removes the the fact that wrestling is at least a two-person affair at all times. Like I can think of I, I can think of injuries that I've had, like including the big one to my knee where like kind the person that I was catching kind of didn't do anything wrong and I kind of didn't do anything wrong. It was just a shitty time. There was no way to know that was going to happen. And, like, I know I've seen people take liberties with people in the ring as well, but it's it's not a thing that I've ever witnessed. You go as far as smashing somebody's face in, and then everybody's just like, hell yeah, good job, high five. That's That's not what happens. People will complain about people. They don't want to work with people they think are unsafe. So I feel, you know, sometimes the trash takes itself out. I think we see enough people frequently working with Nia Jax that makes me believe she cannot possibly be that bad to work with because when people are assholes in the ring, people request to not work with them. There's enough room in WWE that if somebody's just being a dick to you forever, I'm sure they could book you to not be working a match with them. And there's folks that haven't really worked against her that have had problems with her. There's also an update on an older piece of news. I know I had covered it initially, but if anybody remembers the news with Kelly Klein, she'd gone public to Twitter about her mistreatment by Ring of Honor, and they fired her while she was the champion for speaking out against them for mistreating her, um, for letting her work sick, for like almost deliberately underpaying her. And she's actually filed a lawsuit, for, uh, an employment discrimination lawsuit against Sinclair Broadcast and Ring of Honor. And it specifically names Jay Lethal. Um, it talks about having an unsafe work environment, and inadequate, like, health and safety concerns. This has been quiet for a while. I do remember the news initially coming out, because it was before the speaking out movement, and there was the huge spat on Twitter about it, and she's actually going forward with this, and I hope they don't... Oh, God bleed her dry, or I hope she gets treated well. I hope she gets what she needs out of this. It's the least they could do for her, really. And that's everything I have for this time. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, what have you, you can find me on Twitter at DreamSlamAWWP, and you'll be hearing again from me soon.